Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, Section 13, Chapter 153. I ought to add the following story. Early in the morning, Philip went and sent for the same priest, Matei Maffei, to visit Manzoli. As he set out, Monte Zazara arrived to tell him about Manzoli's death and began to say, Oh, Father, I have lost a dear friend today. Giovanni Manzoli died last night. I am sure of this because the company of mercy have been summoned for the funeral. But he had already said this before Philip interrupted, saying, Manzoli is not dead, nor is he going to die from this illness. Meanwhile, Mattia returned, and when the Holy Father asked him how Giovanni Manzoli was, replied, he's dead. Philip answered, you are not telling the truth. He is alive. Hurry off and go back to him. Don't delay. Don't stand around. Mattia was still reluctant to do as he had been told, saying that he had already been assured by Manzoli's servants that he was dead. But Philip was even more insistent and forced him to do as he commanded. Mattia had left, though as he went, he was thinking, what is the use of going back here? There's no point in returning to Manzoli's house. I will only hear again what I've already heard. Giovanni is dead. But while thinking thus, he arrived at the house and went into the room where he found the dying man, not only alive, but in good spirits, talking clearly and aware of those around him. At this, he was astonished. He returned to Philip, told him what he'd seen, and passed on Manzoli's greetings. Now, to return to the main story. The doctors came back to Manzoli when his servant summoned them, although at first they were reluctant to do so, believing him to be dead. However, they took his pulse and at once realized to their amazement that he was clearly on a good way to recovery. A miracle, they said, a miracle, as they observed Manzoli improving from moment to moment. He did not remain long in this condition, for shortly afterwards his strength steadily increased until he was quite well again. He lived on until the year 97 of our century and died more than two years after our Holy Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, flower of purity, martyr of charity, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What is this company of mercy that was summoned for the funeral? Well, this was the 16th century version of a funeral home. 
only it didn't cost you thousands and thousands of dollars to have your loved one buried. This was a, a company of mercy. They knew you were in need. You knew you were in pain. And they would come and they would wash the body, take care of the body, and help prepare everything for the funeral. Quite a wonderful institution. And the fact that they were on the move and they were coming to the house meant to some people that, well, he must be dead. No one would have summoned them unless you were sure that your relative was dead. Well, why did they think Manzoli was dead? Well, he was incredibly unconscious. They couldn't hear him breathing. They didn't have electric lights. I mean, they were, it was very, very dark. And someone said he's died. And then he's, they, they listened, they thought he's dead. And, and suddenly the rumor began to spread. One person told another person, and suddenly it was taken for granted. And people were telling other people. And then this priest goes back and he tells people he's dead. And the family has ordered the company of mercy. And so you've got this great groundswell of people saying he was dead. And, and then they were confirming each other because they would hear other people say he's dead. And then St. Philip says he's alive. And Father Mattei, who had gone there to be with him as he, as he was dying, was now totally confused. And then he goes. And what does Manzoli do? Manzoli sends greetings back to Philip. He must have had a smile on his face when he said this. In other words, Manzoli kind of enjoyed what was happening because he knew from the very beginning that he wasn't going to die. He knew that Philip had told him, you would die after me. Now, all of this confusion about life and death and when, when things happened is very reminiscent of the accounts in the Gospels of the resurrection of Jesus. Sometimes scripture scholars attack the accounts in the Gospels because they try to add them all up, what all the women said, what all the apostles said, all the four Gospels, and it seems hard to reconcile all the apparitions, all the appearances of Jesus in some kind of chronological sequence. Now, it is possible, but this kind of story should remind us of how hard it is to get a clear picture when there's confusion. When some people are saying, no, Jesus is alive. Other people saying, no, he's dead. Other people saying, no, we went to the tomb and there was no one there. In other words, this kind of excitement, this kind of confusion is understandable when we're dealing with life and death, especially when we're dealing with people who have come back from the dead or almost from the dead. Death itself is a mystery. And life itself is a mystery. And what we have to pray for is the grace of accepting our death when the Lord sends it. And pray for the grace to embrace the miracle that is our life. The fact that you and I are here is a miracle of nature. Given all the possibilities that could have come about. All the people who had to live throughout generation after generation going back, for you and I to have the parents that we have, for you and I to be here. It is a kind of miracle, a kind of wonder. And even within our parents, when they came together, the number of possibilities that could have come about. 
And yet we, here we are, our uniqueness have been chosen by the Lord for his service. And so we ask the Lord for the grace to accept our life, to accept whatever the Lord has allowed to happen, and to accept when he arranges our death to come. Christ came into this world with a particular mother, but he came into this world at Christmas so that he could live for us and die for us. But he died so that he could rise. He rose so he could ascend. And he ascended so that he could raise up all of humanity into the eternal life of the Trinity. The Son of God descended to this world so that he might ascend, uniting all of us to himself, raising us up, giving us a new life. And we can only enter into that life by dying ourselves. And the Lord may choose that we die before someone else. Someone else very close to us. And we may have to accept the fact that the person we love will have to live on this life without our physical presence. Or he may take someone very close to us before we die. And then we will have to live without their physical presence. But whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. In the Lord, we remain united. And to those who have died, we must keep communication open. We must keep speaking to those who have gone before us, asking their help, remembering that when the Son of God came to earth, and by he died and he rose and he ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit so that he could unite us all into a living body. And we are bound together across time and space, against across death and life. And we live in Christ and with Christ, with each other. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.